Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Not Silence, the Our Voice podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Mondrulo. I'm the head of video content here at Our Voice. I'm joined uh, by my co-host, LaDonna Loki. She's the head of social media creation, uh, social media content for Our Voice. Donna, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, we have a pretty truncated show today because uh, we all have some stuff going on, uh, but... Uh, I did want to get something out to you guys, and I also have a very, very special interview uh, that's going to be on this episode, uh, as I'm sure you've seen by the description of the episode. Uh, I got to talk to Nina Turner last week, or earlier this week, rather. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. We, you know, she she's super busy, so I only got to talk to her for about 15 minutes or so. But we uh, covered a lot of stuff. Some stuff I haven't heard her talk about. I I, I really asked her, you know, about. Uh, why she thinks that the Democrats are making such a concerted effort to smear her in the media and things like that. And she answered really truthfully. She didn't, you know, equivocate, which is what we all kind of love about Nina. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Nina Turner is the, uh, she's like a progressive icon in the progressive community. She's the, currently the head of, uh, the president rather, of Our Revolution, which is the group that Bernie started uh, after the 2016 elections. It's kind of a group to help progressives get elected at a local level. Uh, she also was really state. interesting to see uh, Jeff Weiser pass the torch to her too. Yeah, I, I, it's very curious. Um, I, I wonder if it's because he's gearing up for a 2020 run, or if it's because, uh, there's a variety of reasons it could be for. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I tend to think that that might be one of them. Uh, also, recently in an interview, Bernie was asked about it. And instead of being like, I don't want to talk about like that usual grumpy answer he gives her, like, I don't want to talk about 2020. He's like, well, I'm not ruling it out, but I don't want to talk about it. You know, he gave like the, um, so he's thinking about it. So I, I think that's very telling, but, uh, but she's awesome. She's like a great president for that organization. And she was also a former state senator from Ohio. And a lot of people wanted to run for governor of Ohio. And she might eventually, I don't know, it doesn't look like she's going to do it this go around because she took this role on, but. Uh, yeah, she's she's got a bright future. She's the future of the uh, progressive wing of the party and of the party because I think we're in good shape to take it over uh, real soon. She is such a great face and spokesperson and organizer for our revolution. So it's great to see her take that on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we chatted with her. Um, and yeah, so uh, why don't you guys uh, listen to that interview with Nina and we'll come back and uh, talk about some quick stories. So just a quick audio note, um, the audio is a little choppy at the beginning, I was having some technical difficulties because we were uh, using Skype to cell phone, but um, yeah, it clears up after a while, so uh, you know, just, just try to slog through it, but the but the interview is great, and Nina, what Nina says is great, so uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, 
so I am joined today on the podcast by a very special guest. Uh, she is a former Ohio State Senator, college professor, motivational speaker, frequent media commentator, and author. Uh, she recently started her own show on the Real News Network, uh, and just last week, she uh, just last week she was named the president of Our Revolution. Uh, it is my honor to introduce the legendary Nina Turner. Uh, Nina, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. <laughs> legendary, <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, <laughs> already. um so you know last week you were named president of our revolution uh which is the grassroots organization started by senator sanders in the wake of the 2016 elections uh in the short in the short time since the election we've already seen our revolution uh endorsed candidates winning seats in local elections uh christine pellegrino for example out in long island um what do you think what do you think the future of the organization looks like under your leadership, and what are some of the long-term goals for growing the organization? Well, certainly to continue to build upon what has already been started, I am I am receiving our revolution in our revolution is in very good standing. We have hundreds of affiliates all across the country. You know, Jeff Weaver and the current team really, the, the former president really did a good job of really building this organization and taking it to a level by which then now I can build and build and build on top of that. Our mission is to continue to push grassroots progressive candidates to empower the grassroots, though, and give them the power to recommend the candidate that they would like to see represent them from school board member all the way up to governor or even president, but to empower the people. So that's where the affiliates come in and to continue to push progressive causes and some examples of those would be, you know, there's a big push right now to overturn citizens and it to really cement within the, our constitution, the 28th amendment that would say that that money is not speech or people who have more money should not have more speech and that corporations uh, cannot have speech that outweighs the speech of an individual, Ms. Johnson down the street or Mr. Gonzalez, uh, you know, around the corner, that is vitally important. In California, we were one of the groups standing with the National Nurses United, for example. I want some of your listeners to have some real examples. You know, pushing for single payer in California, which passed the California Senate, but was held up in the California House of Representatives by Democrats, by Democratic leaders. So we push those kinds of progressive issues all across the country. There will be others. You know, voting rights are very important to us. Um, making sure that we lower the cost of prescription drugs and just all of the things that Senator Sanders was fighting for on the campaign trail, our revolution is taking that to the next level. My vision and hope for our organization is that we continue to grow, we continue to empower the grassroots, we build more more collaboration and coalitions with organizations of color, which is vitally important. It's going to take all of us, and I mean that all of us, but that also, Anthony, we are known as the organization that is not so fixated on somebody's party affiliation as much as are you a progressive leader? Do you believe in progressive causes? In Philadelphia, we, we, we supported a candidate that was Green Party. I mean, she, she got the endorsement. So I want to do more things like that and just stop so, so much of this partisan divide and support good candidates who are really going to stand up for the people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just speaking to what you were just talking about, uh, in an interview recently, you said that our evolution is considering endorsing third-party progressive candidates. Um, you've also stated your support for the draft Bernie movement. Do you, do you think that the Democratic Party in its current form is salvageable, or do you think it's too beholden to corporate interests to actually be saved as a party? You know, I don't I don't know, Anthony. In terms of the draft Bernie, I mean, listen, I, I believe in what they're doing, the fact that they have the courage to step up there and challenge the status quo. Although the senator has made it very clear, you know, through his actions, through his deeds, not just his words, that he he believes that or he's been working towards trying to to take the Democratic Party in a, in another direction, a direction that says that we are more beholden, that the only people that we're beholden to are our voters and our constituents. In terms of how I feel about the Democratic Party, hope certainly springs eternal. But thus far, the party has not shown itself willing to adjust to the needs of the people. And I mean that from a global perspective, not individual Democrats. I mean, certainly we have individual elected leaders who are doing the right thing. But you don't lose 1,100 seats over almost a decade by accident. You, you lose those seats because you have lost touch with the people, first and foremost. Now, there are some other variables that I will not deny, you know, in terms of gerrymandering, you know, is a factor. We have to deal with that, not just as Democrats. I would hope that we would get some good government elected officials across the board. That means our Republican sisters and brothers that would say unequivocally that they do not support gerrymandering, that elected officials should not be elected, should not be choosing their constituents, rather the constituents should choose their elected officials. <laughs> this is wrong. We got to do something about it. And then, you know, the voter suppression tactics that have gone on in this country at the hands of Republican legislatures, it has been Republicans. It's not has not been Democrats that have been suppressing the vote, at least in a, in a formal way in terms of, you know, taking away time to, to vote overwhelm, you know, overwhelmingly. I mean, if you, if you and I were to talk to some of our progressive folks in New York, they would tell another story. So I'm not saying that <laughs> Democrats are 100 percent, you know, pure in that. But the overwhelming majority of the voter suppression efforts in this country since the election of President Obama has been at the hands of Republican-led legislatures. And it's, and it's wrong. So the Democratic Party has a lot of work to do to regain the trust of the people. And as a lifelong Democrat, I would hope that they would do that, Anthony. I would. There's one thing to be loyal. There's another thing to be blindly loyal. And I'm not blindly loyal to any individual or any group. The Democratic Party has a lot of work to do to restore its integrity, especially after what happened during the 2016 election cycle. And they have a lot of work to do to recover from all of those losses that we had over a decade, 1,100 seats. It's, it's, just, it's just totally unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I actually live in New York, so I definitely know what you're talking about in regards to the, uh, yeah. the IDC and all of that. Um, yes, I mean, some of the voting tactics that are, were that being used by Democrats, unfortunately. You, so we got to be able to critique, Anthony, and, and that's something that is really of concern to me, that we have so many people out there who are blindly loyal that they won't even critique. you got to be able to critique even something that you love or care about and believe in because no institution or no individual is ever 100% right, nor are they ever 100% wrong. But what we do know is that the majority of registered voters in this country right now are registered as independents. They're independent. Yeah. And that should tell both major parties something. 
you know, listen to the voices of the people and figure out why people have lost hope with the two major parties. And if the two major parties cannot answer the cries of the people, then the people have to make another decision. And that's where I land on that. And so I'm not afraid of a, you know, draft uh, Bernie Sanders for, uh, for a third party. I don't think anybody should be afraid of that. That in America, we have choice, and that's part of the choice. And if the two major parties want to compete for those votes, they should. And I would like very much for the Democratic Party to, to go back to it, to, not all the way back to his roots, not, not to his Dixie Cat crack roots, <laughs> but, but, you know, to his FDR roots. Yeah, and yeah. Shirley Chisholm roots, you know, that kind of thing, and prove ourselves worthy of earning the vote, not by castigating another individual or another party, but by earning and proving to the voters of this country that when we are elected to office, it will make a difference in their lives. And we've lost touch with that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just uh, one more question for you. Uh, you recently... Sure. You recently said that referring to the uh, you recently said referring to the Democratic Party establishment. I don't think it's our job nor our obligation to fit in. Uh, it's their job to fit in with us, which earned you uh, a smear article in the Huffington Post among other outlets. Uh, why do you, why do you think that after losing uh, over as you said eleven hundred seats in almost a decade, the establishment wing of the party is still fighting hardest to stop the party from moving left? Uh, despite the obvious calls for it from the base. Just arrogance, out of touch, which is one of the reasons why we're going to continue to lose. They're out of touch. And, you know, they look at some of them, not all of them, but you have a, a contingent out there who are determined to try to destroy the progressive wing of the party. Unfortunately, that is a reality. Politics can be dirty. It is. And so articles like that and others are strategically placed but let's, let's review, we have not only anecdotal evidence, we have empirical evidence. And the largest empirical evidence that we have is the loss of those 1,100 seats over a decade where the Democratic Party never took stock and kind of stepped back for a moment and said to itself, why are we losing so many state legislative seats? Why are we losing so many governor's mansions and secretary of state's races? And I'm talking about statewide races that have nothing to do with gerrymandering where we have lost the whole state. Because again, we do have to do something which, about gerrymandering in this country, and both parties have done it. I think the, the Republicans certainly have been more vicious with it you know, over the last you know, five to, to 10 years which has a lot to do with technology allowing for political parties to really laser focus. There's no doubt about it. But historically, both parties have gerrymandered. But we have to come to a place and have the courage to say in this country that we will compete righteously for the voters and not try to manipulate the system. But back to the Democrats. So you have leadership that is unwilling to confess their sins and to say that we need to chart a new path, that the majority of the American people, whether they call it progressive or not, are in line with the principles and the value propositions and the policies that progressives are pushing. You know, making sure that people have paid medical and sick leave. Check. That, that, that polls very well, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, somewhere in between. It polls very high with the American people. Medicare for all or some type of single-payer system polls very well with the American people. You know, those are just two examples of, of other issues that, poll, that are very progressive. And the Democratic Party, if it ever hopes to gain majorities back in the Congress, if it ever hopes to gain 
back the presidency is going to have to take a look in the mirror and stop blaming progressives for their problems. They lost those seats over 10 years, not progressives. They did. And we really have to go back and, and, and look at some, you know, President FDR, and I know we talk about him all the time, Franklin D. Roosevelt, but he had in 1944 what he called an economic bill of rights. And within that bill of rights was what he believed that Americans deserved. He said, you know, a fair wage. They deserve to be able to live, you know, in, in, in a safe, you know, have, have a home. They, they should be able to, to, to be educated. You know, get, those were the foundation points of President FDR. And we need that even now more than ever. So is he a lefty? Is he a progressive? You know, he is. So if he had to be measured by the standards of today's establishment Democrats, I guess they would have wrote a, a negative article about him too, Anthony. So I'm in good company. You know, I'm in very good company. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, how can people help out with our revolution? Uh, do you need like volunteers or what, what do you, how can they help out? Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you for that wonderful question. Please, I would love for your listeners to visit ourrevolution.com, sign up to volunteer, and also sign up to participate or join a local affiliate in your state. As I said, we have hundreds of affiliates. We are in 49 of the 50 states. Plus, we have affiliates in the District of Columbia, and we have affiliates in Puerto Rico. Very excited about all of that. And just get involved and find the issue that brings them passion, the issue that gets them up in the morning or gets their blood boiling. I know there are lots of disappointed people in, in, in our space right now, not just in our country, but all over the world. But what I want them to do is use that disappointment and, in some cases, righteous indignation and anger for good causes and good purposes, for them to find organizations, find candidates or run themselves or find causes that they believe in, that they are willing to give of their time, their treasure, and their talent and work towards that. We certainly can use more revolutionaries in our revolution, and we can't do it without the people, Anthony. We cannot. We need you. And as Senator Sanders always said, it's not about me. It is about us. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nina, for joining us. You've been really generous with your time. Uh, and yeah, like she said, go to ourrevolution.com, uh, volunteer, all that stuff. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. And to all of your listeners, thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good day, Nina. You too. Thanks. Bye. Okay. So we're back. Um, just wanted to chat with you quick about a couple of things. Uh, yeah, I didn't prepare a story on it, but obviously there was a lot of uh, coverage, to say the least, about the uh, Trump Jr. Uh, email scandal. You know, the, the little meeting. Donnie Jr. <laughs> yeah, so the brains the, of the organization. The one who looks like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, not not <laughs> the one who looks like he has face smashed with a shovel. The other one. Um, yeah, so there, there was this big thing, and I'm sure everyone on the planet has fucking heard about it because it's literally the only thing I saw on every cable news channel and, you know, digital news site and everything. Oh, and about it's how nauseating. It's the... <laughs> and look, you know, and, and me and LaDonna are, are, are probably on semi, you know, we're, we're on slightly different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the Russia thing and how much we believe of it. But we've, we're both kind of in agreement that this is 
really hypocritical and really over I, I think from what we talked about earlier that this is really hypocritical and really overblown and that when people actually take a breath and look at the facts of this situation they realize that it's super shady and corrupt but it's not anything other than business as usual for less ethical politicians and political campaigns like basically it's been so interesting to see you know the discussion because everyone jumps right to things like treason you yeah. know which is just such a stretch and i mean hey you know like you said i i believe that that trump russia you know is a thing i, yeah. I do think our government is compromised and all of that but but to go so far as to meet the standard of treason it is really really stretching it especially when you uh, you know, juxtapose this with the things that Clinton was involved in in the past and other politicians have been involved in. So it's just isn't all that unique. It's just that we're hearing about it now more. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the thing that nobody, well, I, I see a lot of right wing media talking about it. And it's crazy that I even have to bring this up, but <laughs> because everyone should be talking about it, is that this is not all that different than what some Hillary surrogates from the DNC did during the 2016 campaign. They met with some Ukrainian. Uh, individuals who I believe actually did have ties to the Ukrainian government, unlike this person that uh, tr uh, Trump Jr. met with, apparently. Um, and they were, you know, trying to give uh, their, her people, like, intel on the whole Trump-Manafort-Russia connection. Um, right. And it, this is not illegal. Like, they, they didn't... Everyone keeps saying, oh, this is proof of collusion. All People need to look up what collusion means in the dictionary. Right. <laughs> Collusion means that you enter into an agreement to either commit a crime. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it means that, you, well, let me look up the actual definition. But basically, it means that you enter into an agreement to commit a crime or you ask somebody to commit a crime, neither of which happened. Also, also the other thing that people are saying, this is not any kind of violation of campaign law because they didn't, as far as we know, Trump Jr. didn't accept money from this person. So that was the only well, other thing you could... And that's where I think that the, the stretch comes in is the media is using the term anything of value. And so, you know, what they're trying to say is that, you know, opposition, opposition research is a thing of value. It might not be money. It might not be property. I, I think that's a stretch. Um, you know, you're talking about information yeah. and, you know, information, uh, clearly the Clintons, you know, you can look at the Steele dossier. Clearly they were, uh, looking for the same types of information on their opponents. So um, I, I don't know. It's a stretch at best. Yeah, it's such a stretch. And it, and the thing that makes me crazy is people are like, this is the most blatant form of treason or collusion. or <laughs> And I'm just like, what is wrong with these people? I can't believe I consider myself like among these people. It's just so embarrassing <laughs> because it's like, but you know, but you know why I'm I, I'm I'm pushing so hard on this because you look like idiots when you when you argue so fervently about something you're just making up and pulling out of your ass. And it they want so badly to see this as as the truth. And I think what we do need to balance this with is what do we get if this is the truth? What do we get if let's say it were all treason and you know obstruction of justice yeah. and you know articles of, of impeachment were just introduced. So you know, that was another big story. What do we get if all of that is true? We get Pence. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been on the record saying that this is a that horrible in my strategy. Box of Jacks. I wouldn't want that at all. So. No, you're taking the buffoon who can't get anything done because he always tweets about uh, what he's going to do beforehand <laughs> and putting in somebody who never tweets and who's super uh, politically skilled and just as heinous. So that's, yeah, it's a hard, I, I am so on the record that 
it's a horrible strategy and people need to drop it. Um, but yeah, and, and I mean, and it doesn't even rise to the level of illegality. I mean, it's just it's just shady business, which a lot of shady politicians, including the Clinton, you know, people have done, and you know, will probably continue to do. Um, the smoking gun. The thing that they could get Trump for if they wanted to is the emoluments clause. Yeah, I which mean, they've that, had that since the, the second he took office, but they don't yeah. seem to actually want to focus on that. They're trying to craft this this you know narrative. And it's just that, that, but, and even, even to your point about it being a real thing, even if it is a real thing, they're hurting the cause of that by latching on to every, uh, you know, minuscule, like non, non, like things that don't have evidence and they're making themselves look like idiots because why would I believe you when you're breathlessly talking about this and that there's no, nothing really there and you're acting like well, this the public is... is like rabid dogs around this or, you know, starving dogs around this right now. They yeah. just, every little piece but, of information, you know, they're, they're yeah. taking and, but um, that's like the media's fault because they're, they're yeah. ginning this up. I mean, this is, this is totally a failure of, 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 you know, cable news mostly. Uh, yeah, they're fanning the flames. Big they're, time. they're fanning the flames because it's great ratings. That's what Jeff Zucker from CNN said, according to a producer, <laughs> it's great. It's yep. Russia's great for ratings. You know, it's like, well, if you want to prove that there's something there and, you know, I, we, I, I have, I believe there's probably something financially there. I don't think there's nearly as much, uh, collusion or any of this nonsense about actual electioneering as they're saying, if you want to make the case, make the case and don't turn it into this hysteria where you look like crazy people who latch on to any, you know, maniac theory that Louise Mensch tweets out about how, you know, Bernie, <laughs> Bernie is a Russian sleeper agent for like, you, you look like idiots when you latch on to these sorts of things. So just, just everyone take a breath, focus on other things. Well, by the way, while this is all going on, they, they pass further provisions to gut the pre-existing conditions out of the horrible fucking bill that they already have. So, and nobody's talking about that in the media. You know, it, they're talking about this and Kid Rock running for fucking Senate. Like, those are the two things. That... Kid Rock, The Rock. Oh, God. Just every, anyone who is famous, please go away from politics. We don't need any of you. Look, I, I, I like Devil Without a Cause just as much as anybody when it came out. <laughs> you don't need to be, you don't need to be a senator. Like, go away. Please go away. Well... And it goes to the money that is required. I mean, you know, these people get bored, they get older, they start, you know, having a political opinion. They're like, I could do this. Why not? Trump can do it. And that's the problem. It's it's true. I also think people like Kid Rock, because he's been opinionated and on the right, I think big money donors recruit him because they're like, oh, wow, he's popular. He has a following. People that may not even agree with his politics like him because of his music. He can sway them on. I think people... The Sheldon Adelsons of the world target people like him and say, "Let's run him." That's a good because they see he's a target audience right there. <laughs> well, no, honestly, because it's but but I think they they see people like that and they're like, "Well, look, we just got a reality game show hosted for the White House. Why can't we get a platinum selling <laughs> musician?" You know, like I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I know. And then then it would be great if the Democrats were like, hey, let's get somebody who's really great on policy and has great ideas. No, let's get the fucking rock and let's (laughs) let's get the rock and Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Cuban to run like that's that's their big their big response. So we're fucked. We're fucked. (laughs) We're going to have we're going to have a we're going to have a a cabinet or a a Congress full of of celebrities who know little to nothing about policy. (laughs) And yeah, we're all just we're screwed. But whatever um 
So, uh, I, I do want to cover one story, though, because uh, there, there's uh, some... some. <laughs> it may shock you, but uh, Hillary is not going away. <laughs> she won't go the fuck away. She just won't do but it. But why should she go away, Anthony? That's what they say. <laughs> why should she go away and not Bernie? Yeah, right. <laughs> why should she go away and not Bernie, a sane congressman who's the most popular politician in America? <laughs> Exactly. Versus the person who just lost to an orange buffoon. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know that that one's a, <laughs> it's a real tough one. Um, but let me. I want to read out an article to you guys from the Observer, um, written by Michael Sainto Sonato. I don't know. He's great. He every every article I read from the Observer is from this guy. So he must be like the only progressive on staff there. <laughs> uh, it's actually Jared Kushner's paper, which is funny. Uh, but. Uh, so, uh, Hillary plots to revive Clintonism in the 2018 elections. Uh, so, although Clinton lost the election, she is still trying to run the Democratic Party by other means. Uh, The Hill reported on July 8th that Hillary Clinton is planning to campaign and fundraise for the Democratic uh, congressional candidates in 2018. Yippee. Uh, the article states that she will use her super PAC, Onward Together... As a fundraising apparatus, in an interview shortly after launching the PAC, uh, in May 2017, she criticized the DNC and implied, (laughs) this is hilarious still to me, uh, and implied that it was useless during her presidential campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, just the balls. After after all the bullshit and rigging they did for her in the primary (laughs) to say that the DNC was useless to her, unbelievable to me. Um... I mean, it was bankrupt. It was on the verge of insolvency. Its data was mediocre to poor, non-existent, and wrong, she said. I had to inject money into it, uh, which is the only language she speaks. Thus, essentially told her billionaire donors that the DNC was a liability and that they should donate to her super PAC instead. Huh. Maybe she didn't actually mean that and she was just trying to funnel more fucking money towards her. (laughs) Her cronies. That's actually funny. That didn't even occur to me when she said that initially. I thought she was just being you know, typically arrogant and, you know, trying to blame it on everyone else. But I didn't realize there was actually a strategy behind that. So it's even more insidious than we thought it was. Didn't Perez um, confirm this week that they were basically bankrupt too? I thought I read that somewhere this week. Uh, well, they, they've had their lowest, they've had horrible fundraising since the election. Um, it's because, you know. They're not trusted. Why would they be? Fucking donate to them because they have no message. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shocker i know but um yeah and and you know we've heard from from like a lot of people in the party that they're rebranding and they're they're trying to change they're just painting over you know a dry (laughs) turd at this point like we know it's the same it's the same shit underneath like let's be real i mean as long as you have tom perez at the head of the party they're not going to be a progressive party that's bullshit like tom (laughs) perez does not know what progressivism wouldn't know what progressivism is if it hit him on the head, like he just has no clue. He can, he they're can... not concerned with progressivism though. They're concerned with money and, you know, lover or hater, um, Clinton brought in money and that's, that's what they need and want. So of course they're going back to that. Of course. That's yeah, no, the same reason Pelosi keeps her leadership spot, even though she's literally uh, the worst communicator I've ever heard on a fucking public on a national stage. And she's the speaker for them in the house. So, you know, 
the right's trying to say she has memory problems now because she keeps referring to President Bush instead of uh, to I, Trump. So, I mean, honestly, she's you know she's getting up in years and she can't formulate sentences when she's trying to answer questions. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I've seen videos of her when she was younger and she was not having the communication issues that she's having now. And yeah. you know, and I feel bad, but if that's the case, she needs to step down and retire. I mean, that's right. you know, you're hurting the party if you can't effectively communicate the party's message, not that the party has a message right now. Well, you know, it seems like this this noise to oust her is yeah. starting to get louder. And I don't know if that's coming entirely from within the party, if they're, you know, the the powers that be are starting to, to see that she needs to go or, or where all of that is coming from. I mean, I know that, couple... you know, progressives tend to want her out anyway, oh, yeah, but we, we, yeah. it seems to be getting louder. <laughs> well, I, well, no, even so, a lot of sitting House members were like, yeah, it's time for new leadership. Like, and they called for it. And then, you know, there was a little bit of infighting even in the House. But, uh, I, and I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but a couple of um, prominent House members, uh, Keith Ellison, not among them, of course. Uh, he's too busy throwing people out of his, uh, too, throwing Bernie supporters out of his uh, fundraising dinner or whatever the hell it was. But um, now, now. <laughs> I know, I got to keep it contained. I know. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so there's even calls from within the party who people who probably would never have done that previously saying that. Um, and I think the right also obviously thinks it's hilarious. The right should be should start a keep Pelosi hashtag because she's the <laughs> best fucking thing they have going. Like they use her for fundraising, for ads. Like she's great for them. I don't know why. And that, but that's why it. This is so. Well, there's more to this article. I want to finish it, but it's so idiotic to tie her to the 2018 candidates, and it's the only, only. The fucking Clinton's arrogance would allow this to happen. Any sane person would say, oh my God, you're so unpopular. You have a lower approval rating than Trump. It's somewhere in the 30s last time they polled her. Why would we possibly want you to be the face of the 2018 candidates? That They're all going to be used. To, they're all going to use her in political ads. Like everyone who's running against the Democrat is going to use Hillary in the political ads. And it's just because insane. the polls that they're looking at are not the polls of the people. The polls that they're looking at are what do corporations think of her. And as long as they're willing to throw in a few bucks, you know, that's what they need. It's just so stupid. How many fucking times are they going to lose? How many more seats? That, there aren't that many more seats to even lose. I mean, they've already <laughs> lost 1,100. I mean, are we going to go for 2,000? Is that the goal? I mean... They apparently don't think that part matters as long as they all keep their cushy jobs within the DNC. That's true, because all the people making these decisions are not mostly elected officials. They're people who run the party apparatus who get paid whether they win or lose. And they get paid, right. you know, for for not for stopping progressive policies. And we've we've talked about examples of it time and time again on the podcast of paid democratic lobbyists, you know, working to lobby for things that are against progressive agendas. So um, I, I want, I'll get through the rest of this article, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, she was also looking at House districts she won in last year's presidential contest against Donald Trump as part of an autopsy of her failed campaign, according to two sources who have spoken <laughs> with the former Secretary of State. So she's only looking at the uh, districts that she won as part of an autopsy. That 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 seems that seems to be that's logical. a complete autopsy. I don't yeah. know what you're yeah right. <laughs> um, according to two sources who spoke with the former Secretary of State. Uh, Amy Parnes, co-author of Shattered, uh, that book about the, the campaign, uh, wrote for The Hill. 
so Democratic leadership has continued to use Clinton strategies, uh, even though Democratic candidate John Ossoff received a smaller share of the vote than Hillary Clinton did in the same district in Georgia's special congressional election this year. So, so this whole idea of, and I'll get back to the article, but this whole idea of her looking at places that she won is so fucking stupid because you were running against one of the most objectionable candidates of all time. That data is useless. That data is fucking useless against a good, like a, a favorable Republican in that district. You know what I mean? It, it's just so wrongheaded to use that as a barometer. But that's, of course, the only thing that they can do is focus it through the lens of, oh, well, Hillary is where the party needs to be. So if this is what happened under, when she was running, like, I, I just can't. But. <laughs> We're going to start from the, the stronghold where she had support because that's where we know we can get more money. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that's really what this is saying. Um, so uh, Clinton won wealthy suburbs in record numbers, uh, which was Chuck Schumer's strategy. It worked out really well in that election. Uh, include to, to focus on the suburbs and let uh, the working class vote go to the Republicans. So um, yeah. including 23 con congressional districts that are currently held by Republicans. Uh, in an op-ed for Politico, Clinton staffer Jesse Ferguson wrote, Democrats have to solidify... Oh my god, I can't believe this is a real statement. Democrats <laughs> have to solidify the support of the Romney-Clinton voters <laughs> if they have any hope of retaking Congress. These people... I had to throw up after I read that one. <laughs> I honestly had to pause. I, I, like... I just... I can't fucking deal with these people. I can't... I can't... We're all struggling to, to we, we, we know the direction the party needs to go in, and we're all struggling to make it. And these people probably are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to have these just just rudimentary understanding, this rudimentary understanding of politics. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable to me that these people are actually paid staffers. Um, it's called sellouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> DCCC, the uh, con you know the fundraising uh, wing for the congressional candidates of the DNC, conducted focus groups uh, on Americans who voted for Mitt Romney in 2012 and Hillary Clinton in 2016 to incorporate the strategy moving forward. That, that's such a narrow window of voters. Like, th like that's that's what you're shooting for. Like people who voted against your fucking presidential <laughs> candidate in 2012, but vote. Okay. What so, about all of the new people that Bernie brought in? What yeah, about no, those we're, we're, we're going to ignore all, those, all those millennials who, you know, the, the the record number of millennials. He actually got more votes in the primary from millennials than both of them combined. But let's ignore that and uh, focus yeah. on the sliver of Republicans we managed to pick up. Great, great fucking idea. Um, so uh, in July 2016, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, infamous, infamously said... For every, and this, I love this quote because it's so just indicative of how <laughs> clueless they are. For every blue collar Democrat we lose in Western Pennsylvania, we will pick up two moderate Republicans in the suburbs in Philadelphia. And you can repeat that in Ohio and Illinois and Wisconsin. Where <laughs> they never showed up. <laughs> yep. Worked out real great for you there, Chucky boy. Uh, he was wrong and uh, continuing to rely on the strategy ensures that the Democratic Party will remain in the minority indefinitely. Um, I will go a step further and say that they will uh, 
cease to exist after a while because there's only so many races you can lose. Uh, and if no Democrats are actually representing uh, the party in Congress, are they still a party is my question. It's, well, it's the proverbial the uh, tree falls in the forest question. So many more people are, the brand has become so toxic and now that they're just identifying as independents because they don't, you know, and the same thing happened, you know, after the, the Bush presidency, the last one, you know, it was, it was so, um, he had such a bad brand that people started identifying again as independents and moving away from the Republican Party. And in fact, uh, Joe Scarborough announced that this week too, morning. Yeah. Joe, he said he was leaving the Republican Party. So, I mean, I think the same thing is kind of happening on, on both sides that people are uh, moving away from the party. Now, what that means for 2018 and 2020, we'll just have to see because we know they bring out those same old tried and true fear mongering strategies, you know, lesser of two evils. If you don't vote for X, you're voting for Y. And so I don't know if that will bring more people to, to truly vote third party when it comes down to it or, or not. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, I'll get through the rest of it. There's two more little uh, bits here. Uh, the Hill stated that Republicans welcome Hillary Clinton's involvement, of course they do, in the 2018 midterm elections. Um, her reputation for scandals, corruption, and poor leadership provide them with even more political ammunition uh, than House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> unpopularity. Uh, Clinton intervening in congressional races by actively campaigning for candidates. Um, I really hope they're not that stupid. I really hope that they're not that. They are that stupid. They're going to. They do are it. that stupid. They're, 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 she's going to do it. They're going to do it. Um, yeah. By actively campaigning for candidates, will feed into Republicans' messaging that the Democratic Party is the party of the Clintons. Targeting wealthy suburbs uh, aligns with the will of the Democratic part. The Democratic Party's wealthiest donors, Hillary Clinton's closest allies. So maybe this, this is all really just a Republican strategy, right? <laughs> <laughs> just well, no, keep funneling is, money to the Clintons, you know? It's a, it's I mean, a losing there's, strategy. There's, there's and... really not much of a difference. I mean, <laughs> uh, so the this strategy moves the party away from necessary reforms and ensures that it will remain shaped by the former first, late, uh, first family's image. Establishment Democrats would rather shift to the center and court elites at lavish fundraisers than enact meaningful policies. Uh all the while, working class, middle class, and low income voters are increasingly disenfranchised from the party they view as beholden to corporations and the wealthy. So, uh, yeah, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's everything's gonna be fine. They're sealing their fate because you know the noise of a people's party is is getting louder and louder as people the, the distrust for for the other parties um, you know gets louder too. And so, yeah, if they if they continue on this path. Um, it's, it's RIP Democrats. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, they can't lose much more. I mean, I, I, we're on the verge of, of the Republicans having enough of a super majority to, to, to call for a congressional convention or a, a or, right. excuse me, a constitutional convention, right. um, which nobody seems to be panicking enough about because they can <laughs> literally rewrite the fucking constitution and they ain't going to write it to get money out of politics if they call it and they're not going to yeah. write it to, you know. The Koch brothers and Alec already have that drafted. I'm sure they know sure exactly they where they're going. It's going to be, that. it's going to be, you know, cut all taxes to, you know, a flat tax rate of like 15%, uh, increase military spending to their defense contractor buddies, outlaw right. abortion. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a nightmare. We're going to be living in a nightmare country if that happens. So if they want to keep fucking losing, 
they're literally driving us off the cliff and they are fine with it because they got, you know, the nice seats in the fucking van that, that that's heading towards the cliff. So Canada's going to be strengthening their borders. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have to take in refugees. They're going to take in American refugees after a while. Be and scratching and clawing at their door. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking, I mean, if, if, if we get to that level, I, 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 I always oh, say like, rough. yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ugh, right. Well, New York, that's not that far from Canada. No, so I know. Right. I can make it in like six hours. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> if the shit hits the fan. Um, second, that 70th governor gets elected, that 70th, uh, you know, or the 70% rather, uh, get elected. I'm, I'm on the fucking road to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just not going to be enjoyable. Nope. Yeah, move to Italy. I'm, I have like Italian heritage. I could probably fake a, a citizenship there. Well, I'm going with Iceland. They got a pirate party. So, you know, you can't go wrong there. They believe, Plus they they believe they jailed the all their bankers. there, though. They, no, I, I love Iceland's government. They, they're, they're the fucking greatest. Like, they actually put, like, 30 bankers in jail. And guess what? They don't have nearly as much financial corruption as they used to have because they actually punished people that did things uh, wrong up there. And Go you know, figure. Go, go figure. When you, when, when you penalize uh, bad actors, they tend to not do it again. Or not. As opposed to the the bubble that we're looking at yet again yeah. from all of the uh, the risky activities that are out there. Yeah, but well, sure, let's roll back more regulations. Yeah. Why not? Let's bail them out again, though, if the bubble bursts, because that that, that, <laughs> that seems to be the way to go. Um, Just keep printing money; it's fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, you know, they actually believe in they believe in gnomes in Iceland, like like legitimately. They have like laws that protect protect like indigenous gnome land. It's the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard. I I, I I was like fascinated by this. I was reading about it recently. It, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, so they're, they're they're cool people though. Um, so um, yeah. Um, so we you know I wanted to keep it short today, uh, but I just thought we had to at least talk about that because just go away, go away, go away, please go away. I, I, I beg of you with all of my. <laughs> Anthony, they're rebranding. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I love that. They're rebranding, and then this story comes out about how she wants to find her place. This was a report based on the Hill report, which which said um, Hillary Clinton looks for her place in the 2018 midterms, to which I replied, in the fucking woods, not in the, nowhere near the party. But, you know, her money, her PAC money is underwriting run for something. I think it's involved in Indivisible. A lot of these organizations that have sprung up, you know, as part of, you know, the quote unquote resistance, um, you know, are, are getting her funds. So she's clearly going to be in some way the, the puppet master directing things from the background. Oh, and that is frightening. And I'm not one to distrust every organization, but I know for a fact that almost every major organization like the ones you just mentioned that's aligned with the party and like, you know, uh, affiliated with the party is just funneling money from through onward together to those organizations. Gotta come from somewhere. Yeah. And if people themselves don't put it out there, then I, I mean, unfortunately I hate to say it, but it really leaves the party no choice. If people aren't, you know, willing to, to but, but I think that's themselves. why people aren't willing to donate to them is because they're so disgusting and corrupt and taking money from all these people. I, well, I, well, and I, why I, should I? If I know that Walmart is going to throw in all their money, I mean, it's yeah. a lot harder for me to give than Walmart. I know the so. fucking <laughs> energy industry is going to donate tons of money to make sure that we keep fracking or keep the fracking <laughs> ban out of the platform. Why am I going to give money to this shitty party like that? Like you know, and and why is anyone in Pennsylvania 
whose water has been poisoned by fracking going to give money to this shitty party when they know that this party is in bed with the same companies that literally ruined their lives and, you know, maybe gave them cancer. Like, Look you know. out for the next platform. It is going to be so vanilla, milk toast, oh nothing. I mean, you want to talk about the term nothing burger they've been using lately? That's what their next platform is going to be. Well, you know, it, it might be. The only saving grace is if we get a real progressive in there as the candidate because the candidate gets to put more people on the platform committee. So if we get Bernie elected as the nominee or, you know, whoever runs, Tulsi, whoever runs, uh, we can be sure that he's not going to be putting people on there who aren't going to want to ban fracking. He's going to be putting people on there, you know, like like his campaign, uh, like his platform committee members last time, like Nomi Konst and Josh Fox, who, you know, who would rather fucking die than vote for a pro-fracking platform. So... I don't know. I think there's a snowball's chance in hell that the Dems would run Bernie. I think the only way he can run in the future would be a People's Party or or something like that. I don't. I don't know. I think what? they're they're that stupid. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, I mean, in the primary, they don't really have much of a choice. If he says, "Hey, I'm running on the Democratic uh, part ticket," they can't deny him. They'll 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 do the same bullshit they did last time, and they'll just get smarter about it, and they won't use email. Right. They'll just right. communicate over the phone. <laughs> um, I think they learned their lesson on that one. But um, you would have think they would have learned it a long time ago. Yeah, right. But... I mean, how many email scandals does this does this party need to have before they learn <laughs> to stop saying dumb shit in emails? Because someone will read them eventually. <laughs> oh Christ! I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> to 2018. Yep. To 2018. Well, you know, there, there's some bright spots on the on the horizon in 2018. Uh, you know, that's true. <laughs> Sam is exploring a run for Congress, so uh, you, that that definitely uh, is, is a bright spot if you want to, you know, help out a real progressive. Um, <laughs> and search, for, search, seek them out on CrowdPack. I, you know, I don't have the link in front of me, but um, you know, just type in Sam Samuel Ronan to uh, in, into CrowdPack, and he's he's you know fundraising right now for his exploratory run. Absolutely. So yeah, um, yeah, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Um, but we will be back next week probably with fifteen more uh, stories to talk about because <laughs> that's <laughs> news, how fast news happens. News now. happens <laughs> fast now, and yeah. So thanks for joining us, Ladana. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And we will catch you guys next week on uh, United Not Silence, the Our Voice podcast. Bye.